Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. And some will rise to a resurrection of condemnation, and on that day, sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, they're going to stand before Jesus Christ. The judge of the living and the dead is Jesus. And when people are judged, whether you're in the sheep category on his right hand or the goats on his left, Jesus Christ will determine where you're going. You will either hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and you will see those wound marks in his hands and feet and side, or you will hear, depart from me, you who work iniquity. I don't know you. Jesus is the judge. He's not just an addition to our portfolio. He's not just an alternate lifestyle for Americans. His sacrifice on the cross and resurrection from the dead, if you receive it, will give you life. If you reject it, he will reject you. That's it. There's great hope of a resurrection, Paul says, but there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked, one to life and one to eternal destruction. In view of this, this being so, 16, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. They had come to bring that offering for the poor saints, remember, in Jerusalem, in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were certain Jews from Asia, that's Asia Minor, who ought to have been present before you to make accusation if they should have anything against me. In Roman law, you got to face your accusers. Where were they? They may be the 40 who have taken a vow not to eat or drink until Paul is dead. They're probably hiding in a bush holding their tummy somewhere. But they're not in court. And Paul says, where are my accusers? I get to face my accusers in court. Where are they? And the Romans looked down on that. If you didn't face off your accuser that you accused, they would dismiss the charges pretty much automatically. Or else let these men, says Paul, see Paul's boldness, themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council, other than for this one statement, 21, which I shouted out while standing among them for the resurrection of the dead. I am on trial before you today. But Felix, now Felix has been listening. He's the governor, very corrupt man, but of course he carries out Roman law. Felix having a more exact knowledge. This speaks of an accurate and careful understanding or knowledge about what? The way Felix knew about Christianity. And he listened to Paul, and he may have even known about Paul. He put them off, and he said, when Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. So he dismisses, he puts everything on hold, he tells the Sanhedrin, you can leave now. When Lysias comes, I'm going to decide this case, and he puts it off for some days. He gave orders to the centurion for him, Paul, to be kept in custody, and yet to have some freedom and not prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. So if you were in a Roman imprisonment, your friends had to bring you food and whatever you needed, and people were ministering to Paul, he had some freedom in the palace, and his friends freely uh, came and went. Now some days later, here's where our text turns. Felix, who would decide Paul's case, remember, arrived with Drusilla, his wife who was a Jewess. Now we don't have any record that he talked to the commander about the facts of the case, 
But he went and got his wife, who was Drusilla. Drusilla was the third wife of Felix, and history tells us that Felix hired a magician, an occult magician, who went to this girl, and uh, according to Roman historians, uh, Drusilla was strikingly beautiful. She was about 20 years old at this time. She had married a king, a, a Syrian prince, been married to him for a year, and Felix Uh, apparently intoxicated with her beauty, sent this occult messenger and convinced her to to divorce her husband and to marry him and be his third wife. And so this is Drusilla. She's a Jewess because she's grown up Jewish. She's grown up with the law. As a matter of fact, she's directly connected to the family of Agrippa. Interestingly enough, Drusilla's family had a long history with the teaching and familiarity with Jesus Christ. Her, great gra- her great-grandfather attempted to murder Jesus in Bethlehem when he was a child. Her great-uncle killed John the Baptist and was involved with the soldiers in mocking Jesus and dressing him in a purple robe. Her father killed the apostle James, John's brother. Her dad did not give glory to God during a speech he gave. He took the glory for himself and he was struck by an angel in Acts chapter 12 and eaten by worms and died. Uh, Drusilla had a little knowledge about Christianity. I'm sure she heard some of the family stories around the dinner table. And the latest one is her dad didn't give glory to God, and maybe she didn't think it was God who did it, but he was struck by an angel and eaten by worms from the inside out. That's her daddy. You think she might be thinking about her soul a little bit? But she's living as if there's no God. She grew up in a Jewish home. But her life does not reflect that she believes in the Ten Commandments. She's just committed adultery. She just left her husband, became the third wife of a ruler because maybe she was bored. Or maybe she wanted more excitement in her life. Or maybe she was convinced by this occult messenger, whatever it was. But there's a lot of people in our land right now, they grow up with Christianity. They grow up with Sunday school. But they've abandoned God. And they live like practical atheists. And their morals show no reflection of the God of the Bible. It's like when they make decisions, they don't think that the Bible applies to them any longer. That is foolish, folks. It's absolutely foolish. See, God has put things into, the, into his plan and into the moral law in your conscience and in sowing and reaping. And if you go against God, it will eventually catch up to you. Amen? You can take it to the bank. And so... Here she is, she's shown up. And what's the purpose of them coming? Well, here comes Felix. He apparently went and got her, and they sent for Paul. Now, Paul, think of Paul. He's been in the palace. He knows this guy is going to have a bearing on his future. And he stands before the governor of the land. Would you lighten up your gospel presentation? Would you water it down a little bit? After all, you're talking to the governor. I mean, what would you say? Would you try to maybe butter him up a little bit so he'll be kind to you? And right out of the gate in verse 24, probably entering in with pomp and circumstance and the royal regalia, having Roman guards everywhere and sitting uh, probably on thrones, Paul gets a chance to speak. And the first record that Luke gives us is when they sent for Paul, they heard him speak about what? Faith in Jesus Christ. Don't you love Paul? 
Paul knows what his mission is. He knows that the Lord has called him to speak before kings and governors, and he says, look, the door is open. This guy needs Jesus as bad as anybody else does. And I'm sure Paul knew some of the uh, things that were going on and the moral shortcomings of this man. And so Paul's going to give you uh, give us a three-point sermon that should blow our socks off. It's wonderful. It's great. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Paul's three-point sermon to this couple was, he discussed righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. How do you like that before the governor? So Paul, we'd like to hear a little bit more about your faith in Jesus. You seem to be an interesting fellow Can you tell us more about Jesus? Yeah. You need to place your faith in Jesus, Governor Felix and Drusilla. And another thing, I would like to discourse on three major points in my sermon. I'd like to talk about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Did he tailor his presentation for these two? Well, in some ways. But when Paul wrote Romans, he said, all of us have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. What's Paul doing? He's presenting the truth of all mankind. There is no one righteous, not even one. The wages of sin is death. Paul's saying this is not a game. And he preaches a three-point sermon dialoguing with them. See the word discussing in verse 25. is where we get the word dialogue. It means to discourse, but it also has the idea of arguing or discussing. I think Paul, with passion, starts off his sermon by talking about righteousness. You say, what is righteousness? It denotes the civic virtue of observance of law and fulfillment of duty. The word speaks of right living, integrity, virtue, uprightness, equity, justice, and even religious observances and requirements. Now, we as Christians have the imputed righteousness of Christ. We have his perfection in our account by our faith in him. But to be righteous means to live rightly. Now think of the audience of Felix and Drusilla. How are they living? Wrongly. Point number one. Point number two, he talks about self-control. It speaks of temperance, one who has mastered his desires and his power over passions, especially sensual appetites. Galatians 5.23 tells us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. If you're out of control as a Christian, then it's because the fruits of the Spirit are not engaged in your life. Because one of the fruits or byproducts of the Holy Spirit in your life is self-control. So you're not walking in the Spirit if you're out of control. Bottom line. Point number three. He talks about judgment. Krimatas is the Greek word. It literally means the decision of a judge with the implication of a pronounced sentence which could be unfavorable. Hence, it has the idea of condemnation. Earlier in Acts 17, Paul says, God has fixed a day, and he may have repeated this very idea before Felix, when he will judge the world in righteousness. He's given evidence of this by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. He is the man who will judge. Wow. Now, what do you think Felix's reaction is to the sermon? Well, these three points hit home because the Bible tells us that Felix was absolutely terrified. It says Felix became frightened. The Greek word is emphobos, where we get the idea of fear. He was terrified. 
terrified. He began to tremble before Paul. How the tables have turned now. And there are two tragedies I want to tell you about in life because many, many Americans hear the gospel and don't respond to it. One tragedy is to tremble, but not to repent and trust in Christ. And the other tragedy is to never tremble. And I see both responses to the gospel. I've seen people literally tremble before the truth of the gospel and not turn and get right with God. And I've seen other people simply just brush it off with a smirk on their face like, I don't care. I don't care what you say. Like they're almost in a different category where this stuff doesn't affect them. But these are universal truths. Is Paul trying to be mean to them? No, he's trying to speak truth to them. What is more loving? If Paul would have held back the truth for political correctness, or is it more loving to tell the truth, to diagnose the problem, Felix and Drusilla, here's your problem, but here's the solution, faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus came for people like you, people like me. We've already been hearing Paul say he blew it in his former life how he made mistakes, how he persecuted Christians. His goal is not simply just to make them feel bad. If that's the only goal you have in gospel presentations, you sinner. You know what? Turn or burn, baby. Have a nice day. No, compassion should drive us. But we've got to diagnose the problem because if Americans who listen to our presentation, and for that matter, anybody around the world, doesn't know they have a sin issue, 100% deadly 100% of the time, they're not going to run to the Savior for the right reason. They're going to think that Jesus is just simply an option for life enhancement that works for some people. That's pragmatism. That's not the gospel. The gospel says you're in trouble with a holy God, but he's done something to remedy your problem. Run to the foot of the cross and be saved. Amen? That is the answer. And the Philippian jailer is the opposite of Felix because when the jail shook and he thought everybody escaped and Paul was still there, he he was trembling before Paul. He eventually got down on his knees and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And he got saved. But there is no evidence that Felix or Drusilla turned their life over to Christ. And the evidence is they had two years to interact with one of the most effective preachers of all time. The truth is, the more you hear the truth, the more you stop trembling. If you don't respond to it, if you're often reproved and you harden your, your neck, then all of a sudden you can become hardened to the truth. And now you've heard the gospel 10 or 20 times. You trembled the first or second time, but you're not trembling anymore. It's like you've become hardened to the truth. And that's one of the dangers of hearing truth and not responding to it. Now you might say, well, why would Paul preach this way? Because the Holy Spirit, write this down, John 16, 8, has come to convict the world of, come on Bible students, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Paul followed the exact uh, sermon that the Holy Spirit preaches to people apparently all the time. He's come to convince the world of sin, righteousness and judgment and to convince them to run to Jesus Christ. He glorifies the Lord. He wants to get people convicted not to leave them there but to convince them of their need for Christ because God doesn't want anybody to perish but what? 
all to come to repentance. Thomas Huxley, the well-known agnostic evolutionary uh, supporter, toward the end of the 19th century was invited to a house party at a country home. Sunday came around and most of the guests prepared to go to church. As expected, Huxley did not desire to go, but he did approach a man known to have a simple but radiant, radiant Christian faith. He said to him, suppose you don't go to church today. Suppose you stay at home and you tell me quite simply what your Christian faith means to you and why you are a Christian. But the the man said, you can demolish my arguments in an instant. I'm not clever enough to argue with you. Huxley said gently, I don't want to argue with you. I just want you to tell me simply what this Christ means to you. So the man did. When he had finished, there were tears in the old agnostic's eyes. He said, I would give my right hand if only I could believe that. Huxley had seen something of the spiritual realities through the life of a humble, spirit-filled believer, but he could not or he would not believe. And when Huxley was asked why people gravitated so quickly to the idea of evolution, he didn't say because there's great evidence in the fossil record or anything like that. He said because the idea of a creator God interferes with man's sexual mores. If I trust Christ, I can't have sex with all the people that I want to. Or I can't live against God. But he already knew. Now there are people on that side of the scale, they know deep down, but they simply don't want to give in because they know it's going to cost them something. And there are others who don't think they can be saved. Uh, There's a story some years ago of a woman who sat in church. She had heard the gospel but felt she was unworthy of salvation. She was almost in despair and hardly heard the words of an elderly preacher speaking. Suddenly, right in the middle of his address, the preacher stopped. He pointed his finger at her. He said, you miss sitting in the back of the church. You can be saved right now. You don't need to do anything. And I think he said, just trust in Christ. His words struck like thunder in her heart. And she believed at once. And with her belief came these wonderful words a wonderful sense of peace and joy and the wonderful words of a well-known hymn written that night by Charlotte Elliott. She went home and read and wrote, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. And Billy Graham Crusades have had that song played at the end of it, over and over and over again. Because you can come right now as you are and trust in Jesus Christ. And there is something here, obviously, for the evangelists, for the Christian. Don't water down your message, no matter who it is. Give them the essence of the message and let compassion drive you. We don't need to be mean-spirited. We all were in the same boat without Christ. Amen? We let compassion drive us to preach the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. But look, at the, the, these last verses tell us that Felix's heart wasn't changed. 26, at the same time too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. And over and over again, he interacted with Paul. And every time in the back of his mind, he was thinking, I hope Paul gives me some money. Then I'll release him. I hope he bribes me. Why? Do you think Felix needed the money? And do you think Paul had the money to give to Felix anyway? 
How idiotic. But he couldn't get past his greed. So every time Paul came and preached to him, he got harder and he was always thinking about money that Paul could give him. And money, money, chuck, I can talk. Money choked out the word. Just like Jesus said, the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. He couldn't get past it. Sad. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. Now I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and I'm going to tell you what history tells us about the end of Felix and Drusilla. Felix, we are told in history, had a terrible end. And um, here's the testimony. Felix left his position as governor when he left. He spent the rest of his days in disgrace in Rome because of his hot temper and bad decisions. Drusilla died, get this, at the age of 21, just two years after this event. She was in Europe on a shopping spree, apparently shopping for a Gucci purse. When Mount Vesuvius exploded and lava began to run down the mountain. She had borne a son to Felix. She named him Agrippa. He was just a little boy. She was shopping on the mountain. It exploded. The volcano erupted and she got caught in the lava and they both died. That's what history tells us about the end of Drusilla. And if Drusilla did not repent of her sin, how many times do you think in eternity she'll be replaying the three-point sermon by the Apostle Paul? How many times if Felix did not repent of his sin and he's sitting in judgment right now, do you think he'll replay those two years with Paul? Having one of the most effective preachers to ever live, preach to him over and over again and hardening his heart. Wow. This is the testimony of the Bible, folks. It shows us that we have a sense of urgency about the gospel. We preach it faithfully. We leave the results to God. But it also tells us Don't put it off. The Bible says now is the acceptable time. The devil says tomorrow, just one more night with the frogs. You can handle it. God says now. Turn and be saved now. Amen. Father, thank you so much for those who are here. Thank you for your word. With our hearts and heads bowed, If you're not sure, God forbid, if you died today, you would be in heaven. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, do it now. Don't wait. It's something like this. There's no perfect prayer. But if it's you and you're not sure, settle it. Pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died for me. You took my shame at the cross. You bore my sin in your body on the tree. And you have become our righteousness. Thank you that you paid my penalty, though you were innocent. And thank you that you rose to defeat my greatest enemy, death itself. I trust in you as my Savior and my Lord. Please make me your child. Cause me to be born again of your Holy Spirit so that I might serve you with my life. 
Lord, thank you for those who have articulated that, whether out loud or in their hearts. Thank you for all the precious believers here who have embraced the gospel and want to proclaim it, proclaim the hope of it, the truth of our condition before God, but then the saving work of Jesus Christ. May you be glorified as this church is active in evangelism and proclaiming the good news and the hope that there's life beyond the grave, there's life found in Christ. And may we be busy about your business until you come. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. I would just encourage you, my dear friend, my dear brother or sister in Jesus Christ, don't give up. Paul, you know, he had things hanging over his head to have, you know, these people agree that they're going to fast until you're dead. It had to be disconcerting to Paul. He was, after all, human. And yet at the same time, he knew that God was in control of his life. And he put his hand, he put his life in God's capable hands. And, you know, that's what we do one day at a time as God uh, walks us through the journey of this life. And, you know, Paul knew that he was going to end up getting to Rome um, because that was the promise that he was given. And God's given us promises and here's the thing he's going to see us safely home and do his heavenly kingdom and and until that time comes we can trust that our life is in his hands so just place that before him right now if that's you and if you have not met jesus christ you know it would be good to know that you're not standing alone and you don't have to stand alone he will stand by your side one of the most beautiful promises in scripture is that he will never leave us nor will he ever forsake us so Keep walking forward. Keep pressing on, my dear friend, my brother or sister in Christ. Hey, this is Living Truth Radio, and my name is Pastor Michael Lance, and uh, we're glad you're listening. I want to tell you about our website. It's called livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. There's a lot of resources on there. You can uh, watch or listen to sermons. You can find out more about the church fellowship behind Living Truth Radio. Go to livingtruthradio.org, and if you can help us out and help us uh, stay on the air and pay for radio time, We'd appreciate it. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you can help us out financially, you can go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate page. And there you'll find my pictures up there. And you'll, uh, you can click on donate. It'll take you to a PayPal menu. Just make sure if you're going to give something that you market for radio ministry. Everything that you give will go to Radio Airtime. And you'll help us with Living Truth Radio. And folks, we have a chance to expand this radio program. You know, we say it quite often, but the impact of this radio program um, can go into more places. We have multiple stations in different states asking us to come on, but we we have not been able to respond to that, frankly, because of uh, the budget. And most of the budget is covered by the members of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And if you've been blessed by this ministry and you'd like to partner with us and see the gospel get into other cities through this ministry and the Word of God taught, and if it's been a blessing to you and you know it would be a blessing to others, then uh, help us out. Pray about it. Don't let it take the place of your normal giving. But if you can give to this ministry, go to livingtruthradio.org. We thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. If you want to send us a note and just let us know the program's been an encouragement or how we can pray for you, reach out to us through that same website. And we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Living Truth Radio.